and we have the Herb Doctors. Well, welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. Welcome. It's uh, the 17th of July, 2020. Uh, for those of you who perhaps have never listened to the shows before, they run every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m., and we have a live call-in from 7.30 to 8 o'clock. Uh, if you're invited to and you want to call in, you're all invited. Uh, the number is 1-800-KMUD-RAD. Uh, so from 7.30 to 8 o'clock, we'll open up the phone lines uh, for people to call in with questions about this month's show, which is a continuing topic of coronavirus and some new information that's come out. Uh, and it's spearheaded, I guess you could say, by Dr. Pete, who's uh, kindly joined us again, has some more information, and uh, these shows are archived on KMUD's site at kmud.org. Uh, go to the audio archives, look for Friday Night Talk, and then scroll through the third Friday of the month. They only have about three months uh, online that you can download, uh, but you can go ahead and listen to them online anytime and or download them. Uh, so once again, uh, we're joined by Dr. Raymond P. Dr. P, you with us? Yes, hi. Okay, well, thank you for joining us again, as always. Um, perhaps for people that maybe haven't heard your voice or heard your name or don't know anything about you, uh, listen for the first time here, perhaps. I think we always catch new people uh, by serendipity sometimes. Uh, would you just outline your academic and professional background for people listening so they know where you are educated? Um. I went to a, a, a teacher's college as an undergraduate and studied humanities, and um, uh, then uh, for a while went to uh, Ohio State uh, studying ling linguistics, and uh, uh, then I, I started an experimental school, uh, spent a few years on that, and uh, finally decided to go back uh, to the university to get a Ph.D. in biology, and uh, that was 1968 to 72. And since then, I've been uh, doing a, a mixture of uh, humanities and, and biology. Okay. Um, I think I also want to just uh, put in there that um, both Sarah and myself are, are naturopathic doctors, essentially, with an MSc in herbal medicine from England. And um, we were practicing here uh, when we came here in 2001 up until uh, the time when we first really met you or introduced to you um, from actually a breast cancer patient survivor who uh, lauded you and uh, had nothing but good things to say about you. And that's when we first came into contact with you. So um, we've been in the kind of background of alternative medicine and looking at alternatives in most directions. I know you've definitely opened our eyes uh, for alternatives to what we thought were alternatives, but have later been found to be actually quite deleterious for you. And I think we're going to bring some of that out in um, the beginning questions that I have for you. Um, so firstly, before we get into all the related subjects surrounding the suspicious nature of the pandemic, uh, and the various implications of social control being unraveled, not to mention the economic collapse and restructuring. Let me first ask you about a very recent publication, or should I say a very recent pre-publication, as it hasn't yet been published, uh, but it's going to be, I'm sure, which implicates linoleic acid and omega-6 compound, one of the so-called essential fatty acids found in vegetable oils, nuts, seeds, 
meats and eggs. And I know you've always been opposed to all PUFA, the polyunsaturated fatty acids, as detrimental to health, being pro-inflammatory, etc. Uh, the pre-publication article seems to imply that this linoleic acid is actually responsible for allowing the spike protein of the coronavirus to dock with the cell membrane uh, and thus facilitate entry into the cell as an initial action, implying that diets rich in linoleic acid may put patients at increased risk for contracting coronavirus or an increased symptoms or severity uh, if coronavirus is contracted. And it is this very omega-6 fatty acids which has been pushed on the populations of the world for the last 40 years uh, in the form of soybean oil, seed oils like fish oil, flax, um, canola. And they've become so vogue and ubiquitous in the food supply. Unless you know you're unwittingly consuming these in great quantities daily. So your, your background as opposing these things for the last 30 or 40 years, again, is being borne out as pertinent in the case of coronavirus. And what do you think um, about the paper and what do you think it speaks to? It, it actually should be a revolutionary uh, paper because it shows that linoleic acid is essential for forming the receptor binding uh, site of the spike protein. The spike protein is the whole thing that makes this uh, a more dangerous uh, uh, form of coronavirus than the common flu, uh, com common cold. Uh, and uh, if you can't form uh, the crucial thing that makes it infective without linoleic acid, uh, then that has all kinds of ramifications because uh, it has been known now for 80 years that uh, uh, in a human experiment uh, overseen by George Burr, who, who was the originator of the idea that these things are essential uh, for nutrition, uh, a person in his lab uh, went for six months on a highly purified diet uh, in which there was absolutely uh, no measurable level of uh, linoleic or linolenic or, or arachidonic acids or any of the polyunsaturated. Uh, and after about four months into the experiment, uh, instead of getting symptoms of a deficiency, his chronic health problems, such as migraines and, uh, I think, hypertension to, to a mild degree, uh, simply disappeared and never came back. And those but that didn't change their, um, their viewpoint on the essential fatty acids, did it? Uh, uh, no, that, that was totally passed over when animal experiments uh, showed that they were not at all essential. It was uh, in 1929, uh, there was very little known about uh, nutrition. Uh, and so the, uh, what happened was when they added the polyunsaturated fats, the metabolic rate slowed tremendously. Uh, Burr himself demonstrated that in 1932 or 33, uh, suppressing uh, metabolism by about 50%. Uh, when he added back the essential so-called fatty acids. Uh, but uh, the, all of that w was passed over uh, when the uh, seed oil industry had to dispose of the fatty uh, uh, oils uh, from 
uh, uh, for example, soy oil. Uh, it had been used uh, along with other unsaturated fats for making plastics, uh, varnishes, uh, uh, paints, and uh, there, there was a new uh, petroleum-based industry coming in, uh, so they had to find a new market for all of their soy oil and related uh, fats, and so they uh, re revived uh, the old 1929 uh, study, which had been disproved for uh, uh, 20 years, uh, and uh, said these are essential, so you should eat lots of them. Uh, absolutely no science, but it, it worked for uh, about 50, uh, seven, almost 70 years. It has uh, convinced lots of people to eat polyunsaturated fats. So if a myth can be around back then, where how they convinced everybody that they needed these essential fatty acids, which are not essential at all. And they changed the diet of the world, and that's the how, Western world. And how media and mass propaganda can, if that's how it can do these horrible things, just imagine it's still going on today. Um, yeah, There's I'm, nothing I'm, new. There's propaganda that gets spread I'm, around. and. Animal experiments. Where it's so modern and technical now doesn't mean this propaganda doesn't get spread around. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the animal experiments showed that a, a diet free of the essential uh, fats uh, prevented uh, diabetes, cancer, uh, inflammation from trauma, uh, inf uh, sickness from poisoning, everything they could think of. Uh, the resistance to it was vastly higher if they had been totally deprived uh, of the unsaturated fats. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the experiments showed that you can create a, a deficiency if you're very diligent in your diet. Uh, like uh, 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 William Brown uh, did it in four months with an extreme diet, but a person can do it in a year or two uh, with a moderate, tolerable diet. And uh, the, since those studies have been uh, essentially uh, suppressed, no, no one wants to talk about them because they hurt oil sales. Uh, but since those have been suppressed, it, it's assumed that everyone has to have linoleic acid on the surface of their cells, uh, which is untrue. But since the doctrine says it has to be there, uh, uh, then uh, they, they won't be able to accept uh, that it's the cause of much of the infection of coronavirus, even though it's essential uh, for the formation of the infectious binding unit. Interesting. It's another vindication of what you've been saying for four decades or more. I know you've been uh, out in the wilderness shouting. Um, so what do you, what do you think this, um, the mechanism, it's often an inflammatory mechanism by its own right, even though they're causing these essential fatty acids, they're obviously pro-inflammatory uh, in their own rights. Do you, do you think there's anything else other than a mechanistic lock and key that if linoleic acid is there in, on mass uh, in the membrane of uh, the cells of people that have high polyunsaturated diets that they are more susceptible? Uh, the, the existing 
doctrine that uh, this docking site uh, is the ACE2 protein uh, part of the angiotensin system. Uh, and uh, the mechanism has been understood for almost 20 years now uh, that uh, this particular enzyme destroys the pro-inflammatory angiotensin. ACE2 is the anti-inflammatory enzyme that makes angiotensin uh, harmless. And the virus sticks to and inactivates uh, the ACE2 enzyme uh, and removes our protective uh, uh, enzyme against inflammation. Uh, And so uh, removing our protection, uh, then uh, all kinds of inflammations set in uh, and uh, have nothing directly to do with whether the virus gets into your cell or not. It's knocking out our protection just by sitting on the surface of the cell. And you're saying this is more easily facilitated in people with a high linoleic acid diet because they've implicated linoleic acid as being a cofactor in the transport mechanism, if you like. Uh, Yeah, it's apparently uh, essential for inactivating our protective ACE2 enzyme. Uh, And uh, in in, uh, the the actual uh, mechanism uh, of the protective ACE2 uh, enzyme has been known, but apparently only by a few dozen people, where hundreds of doctors say that's the receptive site for infection. So if you have more of that, you're going to get sick with a higher probability. And since estrogen decreases that ACE2, progesterone increases it, uh, they have theorized that uh, giving estrogen will prevent infections by eliminating uh, ACE2, but that happens to be our protective uh, enzyme. And uh, estrogen has many overlaps, uh, very close, uh, all through its history with the polyunsaturated fats. Uh, They increase estrogenicity and estrogen increases uh, their accumulation in the tissues. Uh, So it's uh, very logical that uh, both estrogen and uh, polyunsaturated fats uh, favor uh, the damage done uh, by the virus for progesterone. uh, Women who are cycling, uh, 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 anyone basically uh, under 45 and female is extremely protected against infection, uh, and they have the the high level of of the protective ACE2 enzyme, uh, which supposedly would make them more uh, infective. Yeah, they've they've, they've come out with studies that said men are more likely, I think 40 or or something percent more likely than women. Um, So that's interesting. You mentioned that the progestogenic protection that women get as being part and parcel uh, for fewer instances. Okay, well, you're listening to Ask Your Web, Dr. K. Moody Gullible, 91.1 FM. From 7.30 till the end of the show at 8 o'clock, uh, you're invited to call in with questions uh, related to this month's uh, ongoing expose, if you like, uh, with the pandemic. Uh, number, if you uh, would like to call in, is one 800 
K-M-U-D-R-A-D. K-M-U-D-R-A-D. Um, I wanted to let people know the article um, that was um, published in 2020 uh, showing that the free fatty acids, um, linoleic acids specifically, if people want the evidence, uh, it's always good to get the facts. Uh, their paper is the preprint server for biology. It's called BioRxiv, uh, and it's called uh, titled Unexpected Free Fatty Acid Binding Pocket in the Cryo-EM Structure of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. They weren't uh, expecting to find this, so they had to title the article Unexpected yeah. Free Fatty Acid. Yeah, so it's a 2020 document, so if people would like to look for that document uh, online, it's a preprint uh, article abstract. Uh, we expect to see the article in its full, full glory here at some point, some point soon. Um, so, Dr. Pete, let me ask you this. There seems seems now to be a near hysterical media frenzy concerning a second wave as if the height of summer were irrelevant concerning seasonal influenza, of which this is another, and, and the worldometer related to coronavirus data showing infections and death, which shows a rising graph, implies widespread infection and death. Uh, would you speak to the actual numbers, uh, as we have done in previous shows, uh, and highlight the important factors which mark this outbreak as no worse than any typical seasonal influenza? And then we'll get into some of the, um, some of the underlying actors behind uh, what we think here is not a serious problem. Uh, several people have asked me about uh, what, what about the uh, doubling of, of corona uh, diagnosed deaths in Texas and Florida in the last month. And uh, so I looked at the, the uh, actual uh, numbers, same as I did uh, with the national figures published by the CDC uh, from uh, uh, January through uh, uh, up to almost the present. Uh, and uh, nothing was happening in the national figures. And uh, what I see in the Texas and Florida numbers is that the increase in tests in the population, for example, in Florida in the last month, the number of people tested has gone from 50,000 to 70,000, while the number of diagnosed corona case deaths has increased by exactly the same proportion, 50% in a month. And so if no more people are dying, exactly the same expected daily number of deaths in both Texas and Florida, as in the whole U.S., you know that really nothing is happen happening except a lot of media and government noise trying to panic the people. But what I happened to notice in the national figures at the end of March, I started looking at the uh, total mortality uh, uh, week by week, uh, going back to from the end of March to January 1st, uh, there was a, a very weird suppression of total deaths in the United States uh, uh, from all causes, uh, accidents, uh, uh, old age, or, or whatever. There, there was a 10 or 15% uh, decrease in 
all deaths around the country uh, starting okay. around January 1st. And uh, there's a right-wing columnist, Joe Hoft, I think his name is, H-O-F-T, uh, on the Internet, who did a more thorough uh, study of that. He went back uh, several years comparing the weekly mortality, and he sees exactly the same thing, but going back decades, uh, this is a, a unique uh, uh, avoidance uh, of death starting in January 1st, uh, as published by the CDC, continuing uh, all the way until the end of March when they decided to declare the pandemic. Uh, and within a couple of days, uh, there was a gigantic, also historically un unprecedented peak uh, of deaths called the COVID mortality spike. But if you look at the missing uh, part of the graph, uh, the, the weird depression, the missing number of deaths uh, amounts to the uh, extra deaths piled up as soon as the pandemic w was declared. I, I think any prosecutor looking at that graph just in itself would say, uh, a criminal investigation yeah. has to be done. Congress uh, yeah. should uh, start an investigation. Uh, any congressman uh, could uh, ask uh, for a, a government accounting uh, office for, or the uh, Department of Justice uh, to uh, start uh, investigating a, a criminal conspiracy to fail to declare uh, the normal amount of uh, mortality week by week, uh, starting three months in advance, uh, knowing that they were going to want a pile of uh, uh, deaths to happen when they declared the pandemic outbreak. So the figures have been manipulated to allow this sudden spike on, on cue, as it were, for the announcement that this was a pandemic and uh, yeah, people had to Anyone just looking at the uh, graphed statistics from the CDC uh, will see this historically unique uh, uh, mortality uh, where it has always been a, a pyramid, a, a volcanic uh, shape, uh, steeply up and then steeply down the other side. Uh, mm -hmm. This year, starting in January, the steep rise abruptly stops, becomes a flat depression, uh, and then uh, a super steep, uh, unhistorical uh, rise on the other side. It's obviously manipulated. And this has to be someone from the CDC, because those are graphs and numbers that you're looking at from the CDC. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's where the criminal investigation really should be yeah. going on. Okay, well, that's, that's food for thought, and that's the evidence there, and that is fact. Uh, so we're not just uh, we're not just conspiracy theorists here, folks. Uh, everything that we've said so far can be looked at, verified, uh, and investigated. I wanted to ask you, Dr. Pete, um, I saw an article, it was a 22-minute article that people can go check themselves, um, by Professor Dennis, or Denise, it's called 1N, Professor Denise Rancourt. So Denny. Denny, D-E-N-I-S. Okay, Rancourt. He's a PhD. 
Um, he's been in government positions, and he's got a very interesting 22-minute interview, which he gives with Daryl Bigtree on the website Bitch, uh, BitChute. And shoot is spelled C-H-U-T-E, uh, which I think seems to be more of an alternative to YouTube, so BitChute. Uh, but he speaks to the fact that face masks showed no significant influence on viral infectivity rates from a 2020 Chinese study. Interestingly, which leads me to my next question, if we are to imagine this as a staged event, which all the metrics look like supporting, that the face mask wearing is a psychological control tool, a dog training by the emerging authoritarianism, which we'll get into in a bit, seen in governments worldwide now. Um, face masks are no good, huh? At, uh, at first, uh, they told people to uh, stay inside, uh, and at least in England and Italy and some other countries, uh, the police were actually uh, making people uh, stop walking their dog, go inside, uh, stop working in their garden and go inside. Uh, uh, just a, a crazy degree of of. Uh, pushing people around, and when they saw that that had worked fairly well, I think the ordering, uh, wearing of face masks was just another uh, stage in obedience training. Uh, if, if they can make them stay indoors, maybe they can make them do just about any full thing with no scientific basis. Uh, and it turned out that, uh, in fact, most people uh, were willing uh, with absolutely no evidence, uh, 14 controlled studies uh, found that there was no effect, no protective yeah. effect from wearing a mask. Right, that's what Professor Rancourt uh, talks about. So very interesting. So if people want to verify this, uh, go to the, I think, again, this is on BitChute. It may well be on YouTube, but BitChute, uh, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. Uh, if you type in uh, Professor Denny's Rancourt, uh, you should come up with a video, 22 minutes. Uh, he mentioned the same thing, that 14 studies were done. They were controlled studies with outcomes, measured outcomes, so very rigorous um, bases for forming a judgment, and that none of the 14 um, reviews or interventions that were being challenged came out with anything beneficial about wearing a mask. And so begs the question, who's, who's actually listening to this information and who's making the call? Who is prescribing ventilators that kill people? Who is prescribing face masks that keep everybody in a state of fear and panic when he is clearly saying that because influenza, um, not just this influenza, but influenza in general, is an aerosolized um, spread um, you know, format, he said that it's ridiculous that there's a frenzy to wash hands and to wash tables because uh, the things that they call uh, fomites in science, these kind of inanimate objects that we have around us, he said that that's not the way influenza spread. It's purely aerosolized. So, as you mentioned, being in, in a closed, confined space with other people with um, symptoms of coronavirus or common cold is a very good way to catch it because it's aerosolized and you're going to be breathing it in. And that the face mask itself really didn't 
um, significantly improve your chance of um, preventing its uh, occurrence in you because he said unless you're wearing a full face mask with uh, you know NIOSH respirators attached to them so that your face was sealed. Well, and then your whole body sealed because he said that the viral particles are so small they'll get stuck in cracks of your skin and it could blow off and go down into your lungs. So anyway, but the fact the fact is that he's saying that face masks don't show any benefit. So. Why are, we, why are we wearing them? Why do we feel that we're safer? Why is virtue signaling? I've never really wanted to kind of repeat this phrase, but it is a kind of dog training, virtue signaling exercise that we're all looking at each other with face masks. And we all have this fear, and fear is a huge uh, tool uh, used to manipulate various different circumstances. And if we're looking at everybody, looking at us with a face mask on, don't we reinforce uh, what we feel is something that's real, when actually, number one, there seems to be a lot of suspicious data surrounding coronavirus. There seems to be a lot of poor practices that are killing people. There doesn't seem to be the huge death rate, and face masks are ineffective. Uh, anyway, you're listening to Ask Your Dr. K. Midi Garville from 91.1 uh, FM. Uh, from now till the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions related or unrelated to the ongoing topic of coronavirus. Uh, and we're going to get into some of the authoritarian uh, control, look at um, the World Health Organization, uh, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, uh, see how this plays into uh, with Codex Alimentarius, which we'll get into a bit. But if you're, uh, you'd like to call in, the number is 1-800-KMUD-RAD. So, Dr. Pete, you, I think you were going to say something before I cut you off. Uh, oh, the, the mask wearing reminds me of the Henny Penny story. Uh, and it seems like um, most people uh, didn't get the, uh, the, the proper ending. I think they might have got a, a censored version of Henny Penny. Uh, in, in the original version, uh, Henny Penny and all of her friends on the way to tell the king about the crisis, are, are eaten by Foxy Loxy. <laughs> and uh, so, it's intended as a, a warning against uh, 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 falling uh, for uh, uh, conspiracy uh, panic uh, ideas. So we just, as your engineer, we just had a caller, but they just hung up. They didn't want to wait, I guess. But caller, do call back, and it's half past now, so 923 and since I don't have Andrew to sh wave my finger at him or Sarah to wave a finger at, uh, I'll okay. just kind of butt in like I just did there. So okay, no callers are, now because they hung up. We're actually remote, remotely calling for these last couple of shows because of the fear. But anyway, it's 1-800-568-3723 or 707-923-3911. And, and honestly, interesting point I wanted to say is that the CDC, which, you know, we have to follow our state guidelines, Wherever, whatever state you live in, but the CDC, which is the federal guidelines, say mask wearing is optional. Now, I think if there were studies showing that it was super effective, they would be saying it's mandatory. But other states are suing um, other businesses and companies, organizations in certain states are suing their state saying it's unconstitutional to wear a mask. So it's also interesting to look at those points when you think about mask wearing. Okay, Dr. P, um, I know that we've covered, I, I guess uh, you'll go ahead, um, 
uh, Michael, and let me know just as, however you wish that there is uh, callers waiting as okay. and when they are. And I um, and I just put it out there. Please call on the ninety three number because people call long distance it. and it costs. People call from phone booths, thinking it's free. We spend right. so much money on one person's calls from phone booths. So ninety three three nine one one in the seven zero seven area code, and yeah, I think we have a caller coming in. But uh, uh, just one second. Okay. Let's just, let's just okay, wait here for they are. Caller, you are on the air. Uh, yes, uh, you're on the air. What's your question? Where are you from? And I uh, apologize. Um, so I'm just curious about the statistics that these doctors are talking about because when I, when I talk to and I have family that are nurses um, in different hospitals, they're all wearing masks. The few nurses that were exposed and were now in, uh, infected they had incidences where they didn't have proper masking and they were infected. So this would be contrary to what these two doctors or people were talking about. Um, it seems like we're focusing a little bit on the conspiracy side, and I'm all for that. Believe me, I don't trust our government at all. But what I look at when I see the media around the world and I talk to other people who live in other countries, they're going through the same things. The countries that actually mandated, man, mandated, mandatory, whatever, mandatory masks were required, their numbers are super down. The, the three countries, America, uh, Brazil, and India, that didn't have masks and proper procedures are the ones being hit the hardest. So wouldn't this kind of contradict to what they're saying about people not wearing masks? Because that is a major issue, is wearing masks can actually well, stop. Not saying yeah. a cloth over your face, but an N95 mask can actually reduce your your uh, spreading of the virus. doesn't prevent you from getting it, but it prevents or at least eliminates some of the bacteria, uh, the viral, uh, you know, antigens that are out coming out of your mouth into the air. So I'm just a little worried about what I'm hearing over the radio from KMUD that you're kind of going along the Republican line of, like, well, we don't need masks, that's all a conspiracy, and then we see, like, Florida and other states that don't mandatory it. We're dealing with schools opening, and they're saying, we don't need masks for kids, okay? Well, I'm a little worried about KMA because I, I kind of rely upon you guys for bringing in the truth, and what I'm hearing right now is somewhere along the kind of, like, far-out-there uh, conspiracy theory telling people that you don't need to wear masks, it's fine. And that might but kill let people. Me, uh, so, yeah, you know, let, let just me, think about what you're saying and, you know, be better. Damn sure that you know what it's like you're talking about, excuse my language, because you're... <laughs> let, let, me, uh, you. let me let you know, again, where this information is coming from so you can see if this person needs to be held accountable and whether or not you agree with this person. So this is Professor Dennis Rancourt. Uh, he's a government official who's worked with uh, healthcare official and policy making in Canada. And he has a 22-minute video. Uh, he's interviewed uh, by Dell Bigtree, and he is stating categorically that there is no scientific data supporting the use of face mask wearing and that it does not significantly decrease transmissibility. What he's saying is that any of these face masks, whether they're N95 or just regular face masks that people wear or scarves or whatever, they don't seal your face. And whilst influenza is an aerosolized airborne um, vector and is easily inhaled and exhaled through 
small folds in your skin around which the face mask should seal but doesn't unless you're wearing a full respirator for phosgene or some other biochemical warfare agent which means that you're completely uh, isolated from the environment and by the respirator itself then it really doesn't do any good and he's saying that actually in some ways it's more harm than good because you're constantly breathing and rebreathing into these masks and then there's the whole issue of contam contamination where people are um, basically either you know they come across people that have sneezed and they touch a surface and they take their mask off and then therefore they've contaminated their mask straight away they put it back on when they get out of their car to go to another store uh, you know take it off when they come back into their car and so the whole thing is just not an infection control mechanism it's basically people putting masks on taking masks off and that actually they do not seal enough around your face to make any difference and that 14 peer-reviewed studies which you can listen to him have categorically stated there is unequivocal evidence to support that it is a useless practice so I don't think it's partisan um, but that's the facts well so anyway okay well th th then how do you explain in the hospitals where you have uh, COVID wards and people are wearing masks there and then the people who aren't get infected so well, I mean, it might doctors wearing face masks have been infected amount, but, but by saying that it's going to actually uh, make people more contagious or, or possibly get it, you, you know, you know, broadcasting this out here could possibly be contributing to a factor that is mass population not wearing masks, which leads to mass death. So that's like Agenda 21, that's Illuminati, that's all that stuff and the conspiracy. I can go down that road, but it just seems like, you know, one doctor making, you know, one video and then you basing that upon that to announce to the public in the mountains well, no, here not to wear he's masks basing what he might he, get he's more basing what he said seems a little bit uh, sketchy to me. Uh, the same argument could be made uh, about shutting down the economy. There was absolutely no evidence that that was going to help anything that they said that should flatten the curve, uh, uh, delay infection, uh, and make it easier on the hospitals. But there was no uh, objective scientific evidence supporting that, but they went ahead. Well, I mean, for instance, Sweden didn't use masks. Their, their case has gone up. The other countries around them, mandatory masks, their cases stayed low and, and, and flattened the curve down to a minimum. Multiple countries who have enforced strict mandatory mask laws have, have much more success than us. So I'm just trying to like correlate not just one source, but many sources, many countries, many doctors, and look at the big picture and see that the countries that made it the best that are still able to travel right now, that are actually able to go out, they're the ones that stayed in lockdown and wore masks mandatory and enforced it. So. So, I mean, does that come into anything you're thinking? That's about as far as you can get from a scientific controlled study. Those countries have an infinite number of, of different reasons for people getting sick. Okay. I mean, yes, we, there, there isn't been enough study that's kind of, you're right on both sides, but I'm, I, I would rather err on the side of caution in my mind, the countries that have done well are the ones that mandatory the masks. Okay, those well, that didn't and that. they haphazardly enforced it, well, they're dealing with what we have, 77,000 people 
in one day. They that, are making that's 42 exactly people the, every minute. The same, 42 people in the United States are infected every minute right now. Uh, 3.5 million people infected. With a factor of two people, 2.5 will get infected by that one person infected. So I, I'm just saying, I, you know, maybe it's a shot in the dark, but hey, let's try wearing masks and see if it actually affects it. If we actually did it, we might not be in the situation with 77,000 people getting infected every day, 3.5 million Americans infected. Let's listen to so, what Dr. I mean, Pete has to that's say, my sir, and uh, rather than getting into it, I'm going to waste time. Excuse me. Uh, let's I'll see what Dr. Pete says, here. and then we'll Thank move you. on. Thank you. Dr. Pete. Uh, you, you can make a similar argument about anything you want people to do. Uh, destroy the world economy without any scientific basis. Uh, just do it as a precaution because it might seem reasonable. Uh, yeah. Okay. We have another right, caller. Let's, let's hold it there. I think, Michael, you're saying there's another caller? Yeah, there's another caller. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Where are you from? What's your question? I'm from uh, Garberville, and my question is um, going back to the mask question. Um, my understanding that it, we are being encouraged to wear masks to protect other people. And yet this guy who called in was saying that the people without masks were getting the virus more than the people with masks. So I'm confused about it seemed like um, if we're wearing them to protect other people, I don't know how to put the question so it's understandable. Um, is, is the question I'm asking understandable? Uh, well, you, are, you, you, are you wondering why people are getting infected? Do people are wearing masks? Yes. If the nurses are together and some of them are not wearing masks and some of them are wearing masks, and yet we're supposed to be wearing masks to protect the people around us, why are the people without masks, I mean, are they, are these nurses together or are they separate rooms or separate hospitals? Well, I think basically what it boils down to is that any mask you put on your face, your breath and your particles of virus that could be coming out of your lungs are going out the sides of your mask and you're breathing in from the sides of your mask unless you wear a full body suit, which hopefully that's what they're providing for doctors and hospitals and for the nurses, unless you're wearing a full respirator, so you, there's no way that you could be breathing in infected air, the masks have been shown to be ineffective at preventing these viral droplets that are in the air infecting people with flu. So that's what the studies show. Okay, because- People wanna wear masks because their government they tell them to, or because you want to go in a grocery that. store and they won't let you in without one, then you got to wear one. Okay. Yeah, but, but the what they've been saying, for the most part, it, it's not to protect you, the person wearing the mask, it's to protect the um, people around you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're doing that. I mean, that's kind of what the media and everybody's saying. It's, it's, in the case they don't of a, come out right out and say it isn't protecting you to but it, they are saying that it's to protect anybody who has contact with you. 
Anyway. Dr. Okay. P, what, okay. were gonna, what were you going to say? Dr. P, what, it, what were you going to say? Dentists and surgeons who are operating uh, on people with open wounds, it's reasonable for them to wear uh, a mask while hovering over the wound so that they won't uh, uh, blow droplets. Uh, uh, if they talk, uh, uh, it's very common for uh, droplets of saliva to to blow out, and uh, obviously a mask is going to prevent spit from getting into a wound. Okay. So for a surgeon, it definitely protects those they're operating on. And and I, I believe that might be the protocol even before this virus issue, that surgeons would wear a mask during uh, Yeah, that, that's been practiced for decades. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. And we have another thank caller. You. Caller. Okay, I think I've got a funny feeling we won't get through too many Hello questions there? at this point. Should, should I wait after yeah. this caller? Should I wait for callers? No, go ahead. No, no, no. We're, we're here for people to question. Okay, them. well, so, someone else uh, is calling. Well, you're, so. you're on the air. Where are you from? Um, I'm from Bryceland. Okay, go ahead. What's your question? Well, I would like a detailed answer as to why the numbers are so low in Hong Kong and Korea and a few other places. Please explain in detail why those numbers are so low. Thank you. Okay. So are they, are they so low and how low are they? Okay. So let's look. I'm going to quote off some numbers from Worldometers, even though they might be dumping other causes of death in with these. I mean, even the government, CDC, Deborah Burke says that the coronavirus deaths are probably 25% over numbers. So Sweden has 556 deaths per million population. Italy has 579. Spain has 608. UK has 666. And Belgium has 845 deaths per million population. The USA has 429. So that's to put in perspective countries that have had lockdown and face mask measures compared with someone who had no lockdown, Sweden, with 556. It's right up there with everybody else. It's no higher, and it's, in fact, lower than some other countries. So now you, this caller asked about Korea mm-hmm. and Hong Kong. Dr. P, do you have any um, comment on the numbers in Korea and Hong Kong? Well, so much of it depends on diagnosis, uh, like in, currently in Florida and Texas. Uh, they, if they have a test to find the virus and they're using that test a hundred times more frequently than another place is, they're going to, no matter what the person dies of, they're going to tend to diagnose them as having died of, of COVID. But simply finding the presence of the virus it has nothing to do with diagnosing the cause of death. So, for example, someone might have liver cancer. They're dying. They go to the hospital. They catch coronavirus. They get a no, positive for coronavirus, and they die from their liver cancer, but they don't get put down as dying from their liver cancer. They get written up as died from COVID. Uh, yeah. Every winter you see 
a, a sharp increase in mortality in all of the northern countries. Uh, and the coronavirus hasn't changed that whatsoever. So all-cause mortality has not changed for 2020 when you've compared the all-cause mortality with this 2020 to previous years. Uh, true. Uh, everyone should look at the, the graphs that Professor Rancourt uh, shows. And we have and another caller. Okay, uh, we have another caller. So Before we answer that, I just wanted to tell the, um, the previous caller the deaths per million population in South Korea were 267. But how many people have been tested? That's the thing that I think we're getting out. Right. So it in depends on how many cases yeah. are, how many people, how, how much Earlier you were talking Korea. about the protective value of estrogen and progesterone, and I was confused. I couldn't tell if, because I, I thought that more men were dying from this than women. And well, I, they are. Yeah, I would they think are. that they were... Um, protected by progesterone. Yeah, I think I think the facts, well, supposedly the facts for being the facts are that men are more susceptible uh, and Dr. P has said that part and parcel of that is because um, women have pro protective uh, exposure from progesterone. Uh, progesterone is anti-inflammatory and does confer uh, some immune, not immunity, but uh, that lack of inflammation um, is uh, a good outcome for women, whereas men uh, don't express progesterone and they're not protected in the same way. But women who are postmenopausal would not have the same same protection. Uh, potentially not, no, because um, they would still be exposed to estrogen, which would be the inflammatory uh, hormone, which yep. uh, certainly would be. Mortality yeah. increases sharply after menopause. And after the age of 80, women die uh, more frequently than men. Mm. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. <clears throat> so, Dr. P, I, I'll say it again, but I do want to try and get this information out now so that people can look at this. They can go online. They can do their own searching. They can see that what we're talking about here is fact. It's not hearsay, and it's not conspiracy. So uh, as much as... Um, I want to let people call in. I do want to try and get some more of this information to people so that they can go and do their own research. Um, obviously, hearing about death and suffering is not good. And I've always said this from the very beginning. It's not that we don't want to acknowledge that people are dying. They are. But what we want to acknowledge, folks, and what we want to help people wake up to is that if they look further than what they are being told, they will find a different narrative and it's that very narrative that I don't think wants to be exposed. And I think that covering up the figures like Dr. P has talked about from the death through January through March to provide this spike at the outset of the uh, announcement that COVID-19 was upon us and that people were dropping like flies, it's all part and parcel. Uh, unfortunately, I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but unfortunately, a lot of conspiracies have quite an amount of truth woven into them. Um, I wanted to get people uh, familiar with a, uh, a, uh, a video that was done by Harry Vox, Harry V-O-X, his last name. Um, he basically mentions 
the Security Memorandum Number 200 by Henry Kissinger in December the 10th, 1974, which had a subject of the population. It also discusses the fact that the CDC have patented the Ebola virus. Now, what's that about? Mentioning that if the ruling class, whoever they are, saw wide-scale civil unrest in the USA, he predicted there'd be an outbreak in the USA of Ebola, and it's further dog training of the population, which is going to quell dissent or groups amassing. It's a divide-and-conquer strategy. Um, he also mentioned that the uh, World Bank and the World Economic Forum uh, are very much behind the agendas surrounding things like global warming and that this is almost certainly a planned event. I know Dr. Pete has spoken to uh, some of the uh, controversy surrounding research done by Bill Gates, supported um, uh, yeah, industries, uh, pharmaceutical um, places like that. Uh, and, and he's already mentioned that some of this really did not add up to m much less than collusion, uh, that vaccines were already being pro um, proposed uh, and worked on uh, from research that was being done that was essentially advanced warning. Um, so, Dr. Pete, I know you'd mentioned them. We've got uh, only a few minutes well, left. Well, we do here. have one um, more caller. If we could make this the last caller, if we get to them. But, <laughs> okay, well, but you know, have Dr. Pete go ahead and have Dr. Pete finish that statement with you. But then we do have one last caller, and okay, she's cool. the last. You've got, a, you've got about two minutes, and I'm quite serious. We're going to have to cut you off in two minutes or so because we've got to close up the show. Go ahead. Your, your question and where you're from? Oh, hi, Sarah and Andrew. This is Katie. From hey, Katie. Talk Hi, about Dr. Pete. Uh, what concerns me about all this talk is, you know, I think you're right. There are people, and there probably are numbers that aren't right and everything else. But I just want to really quickly relay a story of a friend of mine who was alive or was during the AIDS epidemic, not as bad as this, and it was only a sector of people and probably marginal people at that. But Dr. Fauci said, hey, guys, stop doing bad behavior. Stop doing this, or you're going to continue it. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stop my behavior. I'm not going to stop going to the bathhouses. We're not going to do it. And this particular person ended up being one of those HIV people who um, didn't um, get symptoms of the disease but carried it. And he ended up, you know, killing a lot of his friends, you know, in, in respect of not being careful. So I'm just saying, you know, I don't think it's to be trifled with. I think that if just wearing masks, is, even if it's just a compassionate act for somebody else, I really think that it's for all of you. I think it's just really, um, I just think you better really check your facts, because you don't want to be that person either. And I'm just saying, I think it's true. There's probably a lot of doctors that see weird things. I also have another political question to ask, and you can do it or not do it, but are you guys Trump supporters? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to decline to answer questions that will politically implicate me in yeah, anything. You, I would say Andrew, that I'm very independent. Andrew, I'm, I'm an, Andrew, I'm an extremely independent um, okay? person. I would say if you, want, if you want to call, call, if you want to call my number on politics, I would say that I'm a constitutionalist or libertarian who, did, who believes in free speech and investigation and uncovering lies and deception, and that's what it's always been well, about. I agree that there's a lot of 
lot of lies and deception around this thing, but I personally just don't want to be that person who's typhoid Mary if it's not lies and perception, that's all. And so that's right. my piece, and Dr. Pete, you can say your piece. And thank you for being on the show, and it's good to see different perspectives, but I yeah. think it could be dangerous. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Katie. And thank you, Dr. Pete. We're going to have to wrap it up with uh, details to, uh, for people to find you on before we close the show out in the next minute. So thanks so much. Uh, for people who've listened to the show, Dr. Ray Pete's uh, website is rayypeat.com. Uh, it's got fully referenced articles. Uh, my name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. Uh, we have a business, uh, Western Botanical Medicine. Uh, we're alternative medicine practitioners. And um, we're always looking for the truth and not just to take things as uh, they're being told. And it's always good to question uh, and not question and challenging and being warlike, but just objectively, scientifically uh, challenging the narrative that we're told. And it's a good way to find out more information and it keeps us free. And that's what it's all about. I think the uh, last closing uh, the last closing uh, sentence I wanted to come out with was, uh, if, if those people... Uh, give up <laughs> their security for freedom, uh, or their freedom for security, rather, uh, they'll end up with neither. So let's not give up our freedoms. Uh, let's question our governors. Let's question our government. Uh, let's have open dialogue. And that's why free speech is so important, folks. Anyway, thank you and good night. Thank you. Good night. And KMUD would like to thank our underwriters, Humboldt Brand, with decades of knowledge in cultivation and extraction, representing over 100 local farms, offering compliance, consultation, branding, and packaging design, increased distribution channels, manufacturing, and networking events. Humboldt Brand is your local team located at 823 Redwood Drive in Garberville. For more information, their number is 923-9560 or info at thehumboldtbrand.com by Farmers for Farmers. And I'll let you know that Redwood Acres Fairgrounds needs your help. The 9th District Agricultural Association has Fairgrounds has been severely impacted by COVID-19. The fair is canceled, as are all events for the foreseeable future, and they have taken a significant hit to their budget. They could see a permanent closure, along with other fairgrounds throughout the state. They serve the community in many ways. And you can help by reaching out to local representatives to advocate for all fairgrounds. Send a letter by mail or email to electric officials or simply call them. You can find a template letter and more information, including contact information for officials at callingallcommunities.org or by emailing Ben Brown at redwoodacres1 at gmail.com. Yes, we're all in this together. Look out for the other people in the same position as you, and look out for Shiloh and Shaka. They are coming on in, stepping out on a wing and a prayer, coming up next.
the studio. All right. We just had a disinfecting accident with my computer. We are disinfecting the hardware. This is uh, 